0: Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for Virginia Tech and ACC sports. I'm Justin Cociola alongside Tim Hirth. It's Thursday, October 29th, and got kind of a somber episode here. We're recapping the Hokies' uh, collapse against Wake Forest uh, and what that means for the season going forward. Uh, we look at the Louisville matchup, Week Nine in the ACC. We do some lines. Uh, it'll be fun sometimes. It'll also be sad. It's Halloween, Tim. What's going on?
1: you know, not a lot, man. Um, as you said, it's it's a bit somber. I haven't had the best week, although I think I'm slowly recovering. I don't know if that's the right word from that loss on Saturday. Um, you know, before the podcast, I made some homemade chicken wings in the air fryer, which if you don't have an air fryer in the year of our Lord 2020, I urge you to please go out and make that purchase. It is one of the best kitchen appliances you can have. Um, And the wings that come out of that machine are better than I'd say 90% of the restaurants that serve wings when you're out and about. So high recommendations there. Um, And chicken wings, good for drowning sorrow.
0: Yeah. I feel like if you don't have an air fryer and it's at this point in 2020, it's just never going to happen for you. So yeah. um, I mean,
1: you're committed to not having an air fryer at this point.
0: Yeah. I I felt, I feel like that's like a a COVID pandemic isolation purchase. i I need to fry me. Yeah. Fry me some from some chicken wings. I agree though. They're mm-hmm. so much better in the air fryer than I can get like certainly at a Buffalo Wild Wings. And Yeah. I like Buffalo Wild Wings, but I do too. I I'm not one of those like, edge lords
1: mm-hmm. that say, "Oh, you know, Buffalo every time someone mentions Buffalo Wild Wings, they have to say, <laughs> "Well, you know those wings are disgusting, right?" They're not bad. I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and say Buffalo Wild Wings are just world beaters. But no. I think the, the biggest variable to me, and I think why Buffalo Wild Wings probably gets a bad name, the most important thing to a chicken wing is not the sauce, it's how you cook the chicken and how long you cook the chicken. And if your fat and the skin is properly rendered, it's a good wing. If you don't render the fat and it's a chewy, rubbery piece of mess, which Buffalo Wild Wings chefs can send out, if, if you don't make sure to say you want them extra crispy beforehand, I understand completely.
0: Well, let's start the show off on a positive note. You know, we're talking about chicken wings. Halloween's around the corner here. It's going to be Saturday. It's going to be, you know, a fun day for the kiddos, I guess. You know, I, it, I guess it depends yeah, on where you're at in the country and if, if trick-or-treating is actually happening. Right. Is it happening for you?
1: I don't know. I know we have trunk-or-treats lined up, uh, you know, and there is um, it's an event maybe on a farm that we're going to go to, a little pumpkin patch Halloween action Um, you know, around the day of, but I am not aware of any standard trick-or-treating that's going to occur.
0: Our neighborhood's doing trick-or-treating, but it's got to be in a bag, and it's got to be set out on a table, you know, turn your light on, turn it off if you're participating or not, so it'll be uh, interesting to kind of see, and, you know, I just kind of got sad again, because I forgot it was twenty twenty for a second,
1: so <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's um you know, it it's it's a new era in the world of trick or treating. I think trunk or treats are gonna be even more popular this year. Uh, you know, you gotta be smart with the kiddos. That the pandemic numbers are kinda fluctuating again, which I guess is to be expected. Um, you know, but stay safe out there. The good news, a lot of people will have masks.
0: Yes. That is true. That is true in in one way or another. Um, <clears throat> I guess we should just talk about it.
1: Um, no, I, well, question. Do we have to? Is it too late to make this a chicken wing podcast? That would be my only suggestion. Maybe this is the Lord telling us it is time to pivot.
0: So I don't know if anybody out there saw the J.J. Watt press conference after... The Texans are now, I, I think they're like one in five now. They got absolutely smoked by the Green Bay Packers. And he's in the press conference and he's he's sitting there and he looks just furious. <laughs> like he he looks like he's so angry. He's on the verge of tears. And even knowing he's going to give a very sarcastic response such as, JJ, you know, what what happened out there today? Well the quarterback threw the ball and his receivers caught it. You know, that kind of yeah. Marshawn Lynch almost style answer. Yep. Go look at that clip and that's how I feel.
1: Yep. That's how Shout I feel. Shout out to uh Devontae Adams, by the way.
0: Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that that's your fantasy up, team. You know, briefly. Yeah. And then I just kept saying Wake Forest to myself. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I can't stop saying Wake Forest because no. Virginia Tech lost to Wake Forest. And um, it just it sadly just kind of gave me, a, you know, just a reminder about the harsh reality of, of where we're at as a program. And again, I'm I'm not going to be in here and, you know, be super pessimistic about things. Um, but you know coming into the season you know this was this was the year building up to and um obviously you know 2020 has not gone as planned but still on the field out there Virginia Tech was still expected to be a top 3 to 5 uh team in the ACC this year and right they still can't get it done and i'm not even talking about winning the conference i'm just talking about getting the conference championship game. Like that that's what we've reserved ourselves to as as the hope for Virginia Tech football is to go to Charlotte and get waxed by Clemson. That's that's now yeah. the harsh reality of that that's that's our hope. That's what we want. That would be best case scenario. But Virginia Tech is the mediocre product that the ACC churns out. And why there's so much parity in the ACC is because there's a bunch of programs like Virginia Tech in it. You've got your programs like Miami and FSU that are wildly underachieving, but they're not going to stay bad forever. So what happens when they finally turn the corner? Assuming they will. How much better can Virginia Tech actually get from here? That's my question. Will it ever be able to match up the offense and the defense? And, you know, the, the offense has been the best part of this Virginia Tech football team this season, you know, not without its issues, not without its slow starts, but it's it was it it was their best chance to win a football game. And then coming into Saturday against Wake Forest, you know, the defense holds a good, not great, Wake Forest offense to twenty three points. But had you said Virginia Tech's defense gives up twenty three points to Wake Forest in this game, you would have said what, Tim?
1: We would beat them soundly.
0: By multiple touchdowns, probably yes. And the defense wasn't great, but this game wasn't on the defense. No, and it just comes down to great teams, great programs. They find a way to win games, even when they play terrible, even when they shouldn't. And Virginia Tech just doesn't do it. It doesn't happen. And right. it's not. A, it's a, this is not an indictment on Fuente. This is a systemic problem inside the program. This has been going on for decades. Even when Virginia Tech has been good, even when competing for the national title, even when they're relevant in that kind of conversation. If you're a serious program, you can't lose to Wake Forest ever. You can't. Now, I'm not saying teams can't have bad games. They can. But you got to win them. And Wake, I think the thing that is really not sitting with me well is that wake is just an absolute shell of what they were last season yeah shell okay they have an okay front seven they've got sam hartman at quarterback he's a solid acc quarterback in a conference full of good quarterbacks they've got decent running backs and their front seven had their way with the offense and their running backs look elite at times. So it just goes back to where, where is Virginia Tech at? Where are they going? And I think it's just unrealistic to think that teams are going to play great at extremely high levels every week. But this team not only played bad offensively, they lacked discipline. They had 10 penalties for 112 yards. That's the most in the Fuente era. Their offense made it past the 58 times eight times and yep. scored sixteen points. Two field goals in four red zone trips. And then you had Wake Forest basically daring the Virginia Tech defense to do anything. Hey, we're gonna run it on fourth and three. Stop it. They couldn't. Not in the first half. Converted three fourth and shorts on Tech's side of the 50 in the first half, ran it every time. Lost to Wake Forest 23-16. So, I think that's what's bothering me, Tim. Um, I'm I'm not, you know, shocked Virginia Tech uh, would lose to a team like Wake. I mean, I've seen it too often. I see it every year. Um, It's just, this wasn't the game Virginia Tech was supposed to lose. Right. I can deal with North Carolina, I understand the COVID impacts of that game. That wasn't the case here. I'm not saying there still wasn't lingering COVID effects, but that wasn't the case here. No. So no, it wasn't. now, basically, you're just playing a bunch of exhibition games the rest of the season.
1: Harsh, but true. Harsh, but true. Um, if you can't take care of business against this Wake Forest team, and this is not a slam on the program, but I we should even be concerning ourselves with the ACC championship game at this point um, because we are clearly not who we thought we were. Um, You know, these losses are nothing new to the Fuente era. They're nothing new to the Virginia tech in the last 20 years era. Although, you know, when you couple these head scratching losses in the proximity in which they occur now, um, it's extremely discouraging, you know, ox everyone's here follow on twitter posted after the game what i thought was an interesting stat um you know if you took the last 3 years of the beamer era and the last 3 years of the fuente era the uh the record is is almost identical so we always talk about those last beamer years as being sort of a dark time in virginia tech football yet here we are kind of treading water getting the same results and i don't think that that should be as acceptable as it has become you know, I think you kind of get numb to it over time, and I don't want this to make this a diatribe that boils down to, hey, fire the coaches, because I'm not sure that's the answer either. I mean, there are failures in coaching, there are failures in the administration level in the athletic department. You could point a finger everywhere if that's what you wanted to do. You could point at the players. Um, but it is discouraging when you see a team get as thoroughly outcoached as it was against Wake Forest. Whether it be defensively or offensively, I think that we were seeing some really bad stuff. Defensive line play was ugly. Um, you know, contained, defensive lines contained was blown. And, and that's going to happen against Wake Forest. That they, they attack the edges like nobody else in the conference. But it's sad just to go out there, know what they're going to do, and still not be able to stop it very well. Now, the defense did enough to keep the score down, but I don't think anybody's going to tell you the defense played well. Offensively was worse to me. So when people leading up to this game were beating their chest, talking about how great this offense was, I mean, you and I were doing it to a certain extent. It looked amazing. Um, singing our, the praises of our offensive coordinator from the rooftop in a lot of cases, which, you know me, I've, I've always been somewhat critical of Cornelson, Um to see what we saw out there from the offense— when you know what talent exists on that offensive side of the football is just frustrating. Wake Forest defensive coordinator called a great game. Um, and, and I'll touch on something good that I saw from our offense. I think offensively speaking, Hinton Hooker looks like a different quarterback running the football this year. And I think that's going to be huge for him moving forward. You know, you see a guy that, that looked serviceable last year, uh, effective, um, but this year it looks like he can be a, a real, real weapon for him uh, using his legs. Now, um, I feel kind of bad for Hendon because he's getting a lot of slack, or a lot of flack in this game, as it were, de- deservedly so. Stat line is repulsive. Um, he, you know, one thing he wasn't doing was turning the ball over, um, and, and we got a walk on a scholarship uh, for that very reason, just to the opposite uh, in the Wake Forest game. But what I'm seeing from the Virginia Tech offense is mind-blowing to me knowing where they have been, what they've done to this point in the season, and their inability to really dominate with the offensive line was disheartening. Um, You know, if I see two tight ends on the field for virtually an entire game again, I may be sick. Um, You know, we we like to rip on these wide receivers for not creating separation, and yes, they are struggling in that category with Justin. How many times are we going to throw two wide receivers out there and tell them to go get after it? It, it, At some point, you've got to spread the ball around, and you've got to attack vertically. And we've seen that's hard for Cornelson to do. I think, I think the routes are predictable. I think they're elementary. I don't see creativity that I need to see or that we should see. I mean, given the weapons that we have, super discouraging. You leave all this stuff on the field. You look at the defense's inability to get that pass rush. Um, you know, it's just frustrating to go back, and now I'm starting to get depressed thinking about it again. But there's so much blame to go around that you really can't just say, oh, fire the coaches. What is that necessarily going to fix? I think, critically speaking, there's a lot to be laid at their feet. Players didn't execute. And there's so many reasons why we're this far into the Fuente administration and we're running into these issues. I will say the, the seat has to be heating up a little bit. Um, but what concerns me more than anything is these losses that continue to happen while our recruiting is hitting the skids. And, um, you know, this again gets me to the point where we're just kind of sounding alarm, you know, an alarm on the program saying we're, we're way off where we need to be and we're not who we thought we were.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're getting recruited by essentially everybody. I mean, if, if you look in the coastal division itself, you know, uh, I think we're basically keeping pace with Duke. They may be a stride or two ahead of us over the last two seasons. <clears throat> if you take where we finished last year and, and where sure. we're pacing to this year, uh, I mean Liberty just pulled in a four-star defensive end.
1: I mean <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> don't, Virginia, don't say that. Well,
0: what is Virginia Tech doing? I mean, I I, I can, you know, get past last year because there were so few scholarships. Concerning, <laughs> don't want to see it really ever get that low. But, okay, you know, maybe I can be convinced. But, yeah, two two years in a row when you're not cracking the top 35, I mean, you know, that, that's that got to get better. I mean, to turn our attention back to this game, offense, you know, Hindenhooker just had his worst game as a, a Virginia Tech quarterback. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. think there's really much you can, can say that, you know, doesn't lead you to that conclusion. I mean, guys have bad games all the time. I mean, it happens, okay? So, I'm certainly not here calling for, for Hinton Hooker to lose his job, but... What no, that's QB1, little, baby. What drives me a little nuts is Virginia Tech has three capable quarterbacks on this roster. And we only saw one the entire day. Yeah. I'm not saying pull him, but mix some of the other guys in at different times throughout the game. It clearly looks like there is no package set up for, for one... One of the two guys that they said was going to play in Braxton Burmeister. And we haven't seen Quincy Patterson since he came in and threw two touchdowns in, you know, the first game against NC State.
1: Yeah. And, so, and this this game was crying for that change of pace, in my opinion.
0: and get a spark. Yep. They did nothing. They kept putting it on Hooker. The offense runs through Hooker. It doesn't run through Herbert. It doesn't run through anybody else. That offense runs through Hendon Hooker. And like you said, he is great at the read option. He looks great as a runner. Virginia Tech has only thrown 17 passes of 20 yards or more this season.
1: Yeah, it's unacceptable.
0: Only seven from Hooker. So what does that tell you? It tells you your receivers are either not getting open or you're not taking shots. And I think it's a mix of the two. Um, You kind of called it. I mean, we rarely see ever any more than three receivers on the field at once. And it's just your basic stack motion. Usually when that happens, it's a jet sweep to the short side of the field.
1: Right. But it's vanilla as it can be.
0: Hooker didn't have a great game against Wake last season. They won by more than two touchdowns. Wake stacked the box. They dared Virginia Tech to throw it. And we talked about this coming into the game. We said the Virginia Tech offense just hasn't had to throw the ball this season wake forced them to throw the football and they couldn't take advantage the receivers looked over match hooker wasn't making consistent throws whether that was down the field or even these short little routes that he's looking at he wasn't consistent and he he's been off this season and the blueprint to slowing down the virginia tech offense is now on demand and it's coming to you from winston-salem so all of these teams that virginia tech is about to go All they got to do is go pull the blueprint. Now, the the one thing that I'll I'll say is this entire team just did not look ready to play football.
1: No, it didn't. There was no energy. And before you go on, time out for a second. This is the most concerning thing to me about Fuente's entire time at Virginia Tech. How many times are we going to get off the bus and look like we're sleepwalking in the first quarter? The problem was, it lasted the entire game. The malaise was present the entire game. But I just wanted to highlight how concerning that is because of how often we see it. And when we get ourselves in trouble, 90% of the time, it's because of a slow start. Frustrating.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's been the case outside of the NC State game pretty much the entire season with the
1: offense. Sure, Certainly absolutely. Certainly
0: the defense, but the offense, as we have noted, has gotten off too regularly slow starts. The defensive side of the ball will start with the good news first. Held Wake to 144 yards and six points in the second half. 2.6 yards per carry, only allowed 67 on the ground, allowed six points. Probably would have held them to less points had Hewitt not blown up on the sidelines and gifted Wake an additional 15 after he was ejected (sighs) for targeting. So 30 penalty yards on one play to one guy. In the first half, I don't really know... What to compare the rush defense to? A waterfall. I mean, they can't stop it. I mean, no matter no, what no. they're doing, they're getting dominated. So, yeah. the, if the Hokies are going to start the
1: regression, yeah, the regression of the front seven is alarming at this point. You know, I, I think we were waiting for it to shake out over the first few weeks of the season. Um, I think now we can point to a pretty marked regression in the play of the front seven. Um, And in a place where I felt like we had some pretty known quantities um, and some nice additions, concerning. That's the most surprising thing about this Hokie team to me outside of the, uh, you know, Khalil Herbert doing what he does, is the fact that we have a front seven with Rayshard Ashby that has somehow regressed. Shocking. It's shocking to me
0: if If this team has any chance of starting to win consistently, they're gonna have to start stopping the stopping the the bleeding in the run game yeah and in, until then, every game is a toss up no matter the opponent, it just doesn't matter and i mean if you throw in you know ten penalties for a hundred and twelve yards and a bunch of turnovers, well, we know how that story's gonna end so my my takeaway from this game is a couple of things one. A c c championship that ship is sailed that's over you're playing yeah. for pride you're playing for development. If you want to be super optimistic we'll you know open up your free season you know box and you know a bunch of rainbows and unicorns will pop out at you okay you know there there was a really good chance we weren't playing football in 2020 if you want the optimistic view realistic view um, Virginia Tech can turn this around. There were certainly correctable things uh year in and year out. You alluded to it earlier. There is just way too much inconsistency week to week. And if history tells me yeah. anything, Virginia Tech's gonna lose to Louisville this weekend. Now, it doesn't sound like the coaches are making, you know, excuses for themselves, at least in the press conferences that I've seen. You know, it, it sounds like the team has had good good days at practice, but I've heard that before. I'm gonna have to see it.
1: Oh yeah. No, at we the, this dude, we've we've seen this movie. Um <laughs> You know, we've seen this before. (laughs) We are veterans, man. Um, It's just frustrating given that in the past few years when these games would pop up, specifically the last two, this was kind of the season that was always pointed at, coming over the horizon, saying this would be the year. Um, You know, and and to this point, it's the same old, same old. uh, The same stuff we've been dealing with, we're still dealing with it. Um, A a team that was supposed to have a great edge in talent doesn't seem to have that. Uh, Frustrating, really frustrating. And, and, you know, Wake was was the game that brought us back down to earth. I will say from a silver lining, um, you know, ACC championship appears out of grasp playing for the, you know, playing for the ACC championship. We were never going to go head to head with Clemson. Um, But there's still a lot to play for. I mean, when, when you're talking about recruiting struggles and kind of a program that's, been beaten up a little bit over the years these games are extremely important moving forward for image for the fan base to drive donations i cannot stress how important this season still is okay. so i don't want anybody yeah it's seeing how i don't want anybody to listen to this and think that i'm somehow giving up or i'm dejected to the point where i don't care or not interested couldn't be more to the op. couldn't be more to the opposite and I know you certainly feel the same way.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you have to build momentum for the program some way. The worst thing that would happen is you go three and four over your last seven games.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that would or be—
0: however many are left. That or, would be almost a death sentence. You know? I mean, it's it's there's more left of this season than just beating UVA. Now, I can tell you if this team lost to UVA, oh. that might do me in. <laughs> but— <laughs> Yeah fact of the matter is the embarrassing loss is just they have to stop and I'm sorry you lose to Wake Forest it's embarrassing hats off to Dave Clawson and, and Wake well coached team nothing against Wake Forest but they aren't they are they should not be in the same ballpark as Virginia Tech football if we are holding Virginia Tech football to the same standard that we were in the early part of the century they're, they're right, just- and
1: not, not even that, right? Because that field goal post kind of moved after 2010. It started to kind of pull back a little bit, that, that standard. And I think no Hokie fan in their right mind expects ACC championships every other year at this point, right? And I know that's not not what you're saying. I'm, I'm just making a point here. But even right. by the 2010 and on standard, we're starting to slip. And the only concern here, right, is we're talking about Wake Forest as if there is a talent differential there that is large. There should be. We were told there would be. However, I'm starting to worry that some recruiting classes are now creeping in or some lack of success on the recruiting classes, which is shrinking that talent gulf that exists or should exist between Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. Now these kind of worries start creeping in, right? And that, that's just why it's so important to make sure our Hokies leave a stamp on the rest of the season that says, oh, no, 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 we're, we're still Virginia Tech. Because what Virginia Tech would do in the past is we'd bounce back and punch somebody in the mouth the following week. So I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen on Saturday because we need another bounce back game. This wasn't Duke last year, but it wasn't not Duke last year. It was fairly tangential. So are we going to pick ourselves up again and make a statement and go on a winning streak? Or are we going to kind of just wallow in our own self-pity here at this point?
0: Yeah, and, and I yeah, hope I mean,
1: we're going to see a team that wants to come out there and punch somebody in the face. Because that's you, what I want to do.
0: You mentioned 2010. 2010 was a long, long time ago.
1: Especially in hokey football years.
0: That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And if you remember twenty ten, you remember how that season started. I do. Lost to JMU mm-hmm. after an opening loss to to Boise State at FedEx.
1: <laughs> right. But
0: then what did they do? They had the at the time most embarrassing loss in school history. <laughs> and then they reeled off eleven straight and got to an R.
1: Rallied, army. man. Rallied.
0: And they got smoked by Andrew Luck. And Jim Harbaugh, in the Orange Bowl, but it's they got Stanford to the Orange team. Bowl. Okay, next year, what happened? Logan Thomas takes over. Go to the Sugar Bowl. Danny Cole, caught, Danny Cole, caught it. They sure did. And then after that, that that's that's when the decline really started. Right,
1: right. I mean that that's when the real real cliff kind of fell out in front of the program. So, you know, in hindsight, obviously, at the time it didn't feel like it. Um, but at hindsight, you know, that's kind of where you draw the line. And, and now is you've taken enough of these on the chin as a staff, as a program, as a team. Who are you going to be?
0: Yeah, we haven't, we I, haven't, I just who I, don't, are you gonna be? I don't know who we think. I, I don't I don't know if we know wh- what we know who we are anymore. That made a lot of sense. That who is, was who is like Virginia Virginia my brain
1: is a pretzel. Right now. Who
0: is Virginia Tech football? If I, I, what if I meant, was though. if I was interviewing, I said Tim. And one in one sentence, describe Virginia Tech football and their, you know, stance in the college football, you know, playoff picture. And you would say absent.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Irrelevant.
0: They're not even close. No, we, they cannot get out of the ACC. Coastal, okay. The ACC Coastal has been a joke
1: for six years. Dumpster fire,
0: and they've only won it once. Right. So that's where Virginia Tech is to me. They're a joke within the joke, and I mean that—that's just kind of the harsh reality. I mean, let's let's wake up and call it to see it.
1: It is the reality Justin, but, but wh- this is where I think of- we have a real issue. It should be it should be unacceptable. To me, it's unacceptable. However, as more of these losses start piling up, acceptance sets in. Shouldn't be accepting these kind of results. We go from winning 10 but,
0: games every year to oh, well, 8 would be good. That's where we're
1: at. 8 yeah, eight to seven wins with the best team season. in eight years. Season. Yeah. It's just so, the goalposts keep shifting, shifting. They shouldn't. They have. I wish it would and shift now, the,
0: uh, correct direction.
1: Yeah. I mean, you remember that Los Angeles Angels? Is that what they're called now? Or the um, Los Angeles Angels? I don't know. The Angels. They had a rally monkey. It was really popular back when Eckstein X- X- was Francisco, manning Rod short. Yep. Series. We need a rally. Mo- we need a rally turkey. We need some juju to start shifting in our direction because right now there's a lot of stuff and it all feels like it's working against us. It feels like we're swimming, we're swimming upstream a little bit, but we can change all of that by taking control and punching someone in the mouth on Saturday. Watch out, Louisville.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if it changes much for me. I mean, it, it'd be a nice rebound. Um, I just want to see it sustained over the course of the remainder of the season and yeah you know we'll talk about it in a little bit there's there's some tough games coming up but let's uh, let's jump into the week eight ACC recap uh, you know Clemson 47 Syracuse 21 not the uh, beating you expected when the point spread was forty-five and a half, but still a multi touchdown win. Uh, you know, Rex Culpepper, now the uh, starting quarterback for the injured. Tommy DeVito, three picks, four turnovers on the day for Syracuse. Pretty much same story, different week. Lawrence did throw a pick for the second consecutive game. So, you know, my uh, my gut here is just telling me he's trying to throw the Jets off his scent. uh him in another direction. <laughs> right. uh, either way, Clemson keeps Clemsoning, moves oh, to 6-0. Man. and And, uh, yeah, you know, it's Clemson.
1: Yeah, I mean... You may not be that far off with the throwing off the scent because I'm sure, you know Lawrence has just horrible dreams of Adam Gase's crazy eyes staring at him as he drops back for passes in practice. Oh, he
0: wouldn't need to worry about that.
1: Well, I hope not, but it's <laughs> the Jets. Gase, Who the hell knows?
0: Wouldn't, wouldn't be around.
1: Who? I, I just guy scares the snot out the of Jets. me. He's, he's a yeah, terrifying it is.
0: individual. He needs no mask at Halloween.
1: <laughs> he's just he's too amped, man. It makes me uncomfortable. But you know throw away the interception and you know it looks like a fairly good game for Lawrence um kind of hovering around that 60 percent completion percentage which is what you want to see um you know Rodgers again Amari Rodgers for Clemson wide receiver number three continues to step up for them kind of the go-to guy that they need considering how many changes and what a different wide receiving core that is um for him to be present for as long as he has been and still be stepping up this year I think is a good thing and then Syracuse man you know just hats off to them. This was a game where they could have come out and gotten completely wiped out and run out of town completely, and and they held their own to a certain extent. Yeah, um, yeah they
0: did. I mean, they so, still got just...
1: Oh, they got hammered. Annoyed. You know, the, the final score didn't quite tell the whole story. Um, right. But it, they were it doesn't matter. A while. It doesn't matter because no one's going to remember this game, but they may look back on a season three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, and say, you know what, that Syracuse team, complete dumpster fire. But they held their own against Clemson for a little bit. So hats off.
0: For a little bit. Um, I wonder how many times Adam Gase has been asked where he got those eyes during the Halloween holiday.
1: I don't know. Considering he doesn't blink, do you think he uses visine, or does he just have really dry eyes 24-7?
0: I don't know. I don't know. And
1: does he have eyelids? Has anybody confirmed maybe that's like a medical thing and he just doesn't have eyelids? And Possible. we're going to sound like real jerks.
0: Possible, Notre Dame forty-five, Pitt three. Um, mm, I think we were on record saying uh, Pitt was going to pull this upset. <laughs> Kurt, <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought Pitt was going to give Notre Dame some trouble. Kenny Pickett uh, did not play again, so Joey Yellen uh, threw three picks in this game. Ian Book uh, just torched Pitt through the air, throwing for three, twelve, and three scores. Uh, Pitt is just terrible. Against the pass this season, I mean, man, it's uh, weird. Yeah, very surprising, very surprising, considering the, the talent they have back there. But um, they're going to make you throw the ball. They just can't stop it. So I mean, uh, they they're great at stopping the run, but they can't stop the pass. So if you can throw the ball against Pitt, you've got a pretty good chance of uh, of winning the football game. The free fall continues though. They're three and four overall. They're now two and four in the conference. Irish are now five and zero overall, four and zero in conference play.
1: Yeah. I mean, was it Jim Joyce, James Joyce, Jim Joyce, the umpire that blew that perfect yep. game for Galarraga sure was. Um, back in the day? Yeah. He, after that, at that press conference, I remember him and I'm not going to get this verbatim, but he said, yeah, I really kicked the shit out of that. Basically was was almost verbatim. What he said, Justin, we really kicked the shit out of this. I, yeah, mean, I, was, I mean, we yeah. could not have blown this pick any harder if we tried. But and I will say, you've got to be— This is ext- the ACC,
0: Tim. It makes I, no sense.
1: Spin the wheel.
0: It makes no sense.
1: None. But it's fine. It's fine. What I can't figure out is Pitt's pass defense, how you can have Pinnock and Forward in that secondary and not be able to stop a soul. Justin, it doesn't make sense. Make it make sense.
0: Yeah, Ian Book has looked like trash this year for the most part. Yeah. And just goes in there and just dominates.
1: And all of a sudden, he's Joe Montana. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it, Justin. If you
0: had said Brady Quinn, I would have come through this microphone.
1: I'm, if, no, I would never say that. Yeah.
0: Miami 19, UVA 14. Uh, UVA just, you know, I'd, I'd say hats off to them. They're outmatched. I they're yes, absolutely. Like Miami. Uh, But they had themselves in position to win the game. And, I mean, that's really all you can ask for. And the big difference for UVA in this one was turnovers and penalties as a good thing because it's far fewer than we've been seeing. And Brennan Armstrong, you know, he was back. He did lose the one fumble but otherwise protected the ball, led the team in rushing at 91 yards on the ground. Um it seems like UVA is starting to get a little bit of momentum here with the with the ground game. They're mixing in uh, that backup quarterback that they have who came from Mississippi State, who they also use as a wide receiver sometimes, and kind of use in a wildcat formation. So they definitely got a little bit more of a uh, unique rushing attack, but they're at least able to move the ball on the ground this year. Derek King, uh, the guy once again for Miami. I'm not sure where Miami would be if they didn't have Derek King. Probably where most other teams in the ACC are, which is just you know three and four um but you know he goes for 322 and a touchdown cameron harris um i i don't know what happened to him you know another yeah. just odd stat line eight carries eight yards um uh, miami only averaged 2.5 yards per carry in this game um but 10.7 yards per pass which is very good so uh Miami now five and one four and one in the ACC UVA now one and four uh both overall and in the ACC so a tough season for the Cavs but they're certainly a team that I think will win some games as we head into the the final stretch here
1: yeah and I think you nailed it like great value Jared Zabransky at quarterback if he can maintain that sort of efficiency um you know, going two touchdowns, zero interceptions, specifically focus on the zero interceptions part. The completion percentage obviously is tough, but then again, Miami's defense is tough. So seeing that game from him gave me hope that Brendan Armstrong, yeah, um, you know, he's sort of getting, growing into his own. And and I thought, especially the response from a UVA team that has, you know, had a tough start to the season, rolling into the game one and three uh, to go up against a Miami program, um, you know, that that's been real good. Uh to this point, it's surprising to me, and I thought they played extremely well in, in that defense, you know, that UVA defense that we all expected to see coming into the season showing up a little bit on tape there.
0: UNC forty eight, NC State twenty one. Uh the Wolfpack very much missed Wolf. Devin Leary in this one. Uh they yeah. do end up benching Bailey Hawkman in the second quarter, go to the true freshman Ben Fenley. Looks great on the opening drive, throws a beautiful pass over the top. And the running back bats it into the air, and it's picked off off in the end zone. North Carolina drives down the field and scores a touchdown. So that was an absolutely painful 14-point swing there. Um, But when it really came down to it, Tim, the UNC rushing attack once again just led the way for the Tar Heels. And, you know, I think it deserves some attention for one of the best in the ACC, possibly the country. Like Javante Williams and Michael Carter, that is a lethal duo that they've got there.
1: Oh, yeah. Had, maybe uh, the best in college football, as you mentioned, yeah. as far as a 1-2 at tailback.
0: Had over 260 yards combined on the ground, three touchdowns. You know, the UNC receivers just continue to drop passes, but it uh, didn't matter in this one. Tar Heels uh, dominate NC State on the ground, 326 yards, and uh, win the turnover battle 4 2 nothing.
1: Yeah, you know, if you're NC State, you were kind of dreading this one going in without Devin Leary. Um, you know, defensively nothing could be done against unc the, the running attack just completely overpowered nc state um you know and a defense that had been playing a lot better recently too you know coming in it looked like it was going to be a real concern recently the defensive performances uh, really picked up and in this game although nc state had a chance to maybe get a spark and keep it a little bit close uh, early in the game that that dropped pass tipped pass whatever you want to call it straight into the air for a turnover instead of a touchdown was a bit of a backbreaker um, you know, you, you hate to see a guy like Parham do that. Um, you know, a guy that's been there a while and, and, it, you know, that just had to be tough for him. But, you know, I think the one bright spot here is Ryan Finley's brother, Ben Finley, um, came in as a true freshman and looked pretty darn good. I think, um, you know, outside of, of one tipped interception where an offensive lineman, and this is his second interception, an offensive lineman couldn't get a defensive lineman out of the throwing lane, ended up with a pick, not really his fault, um, but there was spark there. Ben Finley, much quicker decision-making, quicker throws, um, really gets the ball out of his hand. And I feel like it's half the battle, especially for a freshman quarterback, his timing. He seems to have it. Bailey Hawkman doesn't, I think. So if you're looking for a spark for the rest of the season, uh, which will be predominantly spent without the best quarterback on the roster and Devin Leary, uh, you could do a lot worse than Ben Finley. And it just happens to help that. I think Ben Finley is a, a little bit better runner than Bailey Hawkman as well. So something to keep your eye on. Uh, to see maybe before the season's out, uh, Ben Finley is the starting quarterback for the Wolfpack going into the off season.
0: Yeah, no, I thought he looked. Uh, I thought he looked really good at times. So I think that's uh, something a bright spot to look forward to if you're an NC State fan. Uh, Boston College 48, Georgia Tech 27. You know, maybe Jeff Halfley saw something in the game t- game tape against Virginia Tech because the Boston College rushing attack was all of a sudden back in this one. 264 yeah. yards on the ground, three touchdowns. Dracovic had 94 yards on seven carries. David Bailey's best performance of the year, 83 yards, 13 carries, two scores. And, uh, you know, Dracovic had a pretty efficient day through the year as well, adding two touchdowns. So BC Moose, the 4-2 and two overall, 3-2 and two in conference play. Georgia Tech now 2-4 and four and 2-3 and three in the ACC.
1: Yeah, great game from Bailey. We've been waiting for that one.
0: Louisville 48, FSU 16, first conference win for Louisville and a dominant offensive performance. Neither of these defense uh, are considered to be very good, so points were expected to be scored. But, you know, the Cardinals had really been struggling in recent weeks, and it seems like they really found their groove offensively in this one. But 569 yards of total offense on 61 plays. That's 9.3 yards per play. Javion Hawkins, once again, just dominant on the ground. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the ACC. Just oh, yeah. absolutely electric. electric. 174 yards on three scores, 16 carries, had 410 yards on offense before halftime. So FSU was able to move the ball on the ground, had 265 on 40 carries, but the the Louisville secondary gave Travis issues all game. And uh, just the statement win for Louisville. I mean, just completely dominated Florida State from start to finish. The ACC wheel of doom continues to spin, and we have no idea what's going to happen week to week. But we do know there will be chaos.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're just taking stabs in the dark here, man. We're just throwing knives at a at a bullseye in a dark room. We have no idea where these suckers are going to land in Louisville. Again, just proving why the ACC cannot be predicted. Um, you know, I don't think predicting a Louisville win was uh, far out there, but in the manner in which they won uber surprising and you mentioned it Hawkins just man that guy seems to average 10 yards a carry every other game it's it's crazy to see stat stat, you know stat padding with touchdowns in this game Um, you know it it was kind of frustrating to go back and see you know I thought this was a game where Travis could have really opened up a little bit on a porous Louisville defense at least through the air and that definitely didn't happen um, you know with that passer rating in the 80s and uh, 14 for 32 never looks good on the stat sheet. But, you know, a guy that's going to have to make plays with his legs, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the season. I think hopes for him as a passer are waning week by week.
0: Virginia Tech at Louisville. Let's kick it off, Tim. So this is uh, should be a fun game. You know, should be a lot of points scored, a lot of trick-or-treating going on on the sidelines, I imagine. Uh, this game kicks off at 4 p.m. Eastern ACC Network, so the the Hokies are a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Um, so it's the first time these two teams have met as ACC opponents. Louisville's been in the conference for six years, uh, so not really sure how that happens, but um, I really hope it, you know, some way, somehow, you know, in about, 35 years when you know the ACC gets around to it we start to move away from these divisions and you know really just start opening up the scheduling and maybe that'll be a positive from COVID but once again nothing will happen in the next 35 40 years um I had to go back and check the last time these two teams played was the 2005 Gator Bowl which was played in 2006 which was hard to believe I mean that's the last time I remembered them playing but I was like no that can't be right and if you remember, that's the game where Marcus Vick really kind of cemented his uh final days in Blacksburg where he stomped on Elvis Doomerville right on the calf. Uh, and, and that's that's really the kind of the last we saw of him due to a number of other issues. But um just adding to an overwhelmingly down episode here, Tim, you know, I'm very worried about this game for obvious reasons. You know? And it's oh, it's yeah. less it's less to do with last week. And more to do with how Louisville is built on offense. They've got the leading rusher in the ACC in Javion Hawkins. You know, it's against a team that can't stop the run, so that's a positive for the Hokies. And the problem is Louisville may be two and four, but three of those losses are to Miami, Notre Dame, and Pitt. And at least two of those teams are far superior talent wise. And what Pitt does defensively is shuts down the run game and gets after the quarterback, which is problematic for louisville the The one loss that they had, which is an outlier is Georgia Tech, which they had just turnover galore in that game, so they started their season scheduling wise like Virginia Tech is going to finish it um those are some of my opening thoughts, Tim. I I don't I don't know what you have before we can jump into what to expect from the Virginia Tech offense.
1: Yeah, I mean surface level takes before we get into the offense is yeah, we this is a bad matchup uh for Virginia Tech. I think that doesn't need to be said. Yeah, you know, it doesn't need saying, I guess you would say. Um, anyone who's been paying attention to Virginia Tech and half attention to Louisville over the last two years knows that it couldn't be a worse matchup. Questions about the front seven are not what you want going into a matchup against uh, Louisville. Um, But as we like to be so scientific and analytic, looking at Javion Hawkins' last six games, he's alternated sub-80-yard performances and 150-plus-yard performances week after week. 71 first week 164 the next week 78 third week 155 the fourth week 51 yards the fifth week 174 the sixth week which is last week if patterns tell you anything virginia tech is due to shut down jv hawkins
0: <laughs> well i'm i'm glad to hear about your optimism but <clears throat> i just don't see that happening so um let's talk about the virginia tech offense first you know Seventeen passes. I mentioned it earlier of twenty yards or more this season. Seven for Hindenhooker. Yeah. Uh this is not an easy matchup for the passing game. You know, I, I think what's been overlooked here is the corners that Louisville has um on defense that are actually quite good. And um their their top guy Keetrel Clark, who is a Liberty transfer, and Chandler Jones are the only quarterback cornerback duo, duo in the ACC that are both ranked in Pro Football Focus's top 10 in regards to coverage snaps per reception. So they're pretty good at manning up and shutting down receivers, and I think we saw that with Jordan Travis. Not that Jordan Travis is nearly on the level of what Hendon Hooker is typically, Um, But the Louisville defense has been much better two weeks in a row, and the week before Florida State was Notre Dame. So, um, you know, we were kind of scratching our heads, you know, what is going on with Notre Dame? Um, You know, they did have some success running the football, but they didn't have a lot of success throwing the football. And so, you know, can Virginia Tech take enough advantage of this Louisville defense to, open up the game in the past and not have to worry about it. I think that's the the biggest question mark for the offense going into it. And where this Louisville defense really struggles is at tackling and stopping the run. And they've been better at tackling over the last couple of weeks. Stopping the run is still an issue. And Virginia Tech is one of the best best rushing teams in the ACC. They still had over 200 yards last week against Wake, even though it, it felt like they weren't running the ball a whole lot. You know, Khalil Herbert only had 13 carries Please give Khalil Herbert the football. That's all I ask. Yeah, And I expect there to be a lot of points scored, a lot of yards on the ground, and probably quite a bit of read option and misdirection plays. And yes, those beautiful jet sweeps that we love so much. I feel like that's the offense we're going to see against Louisville. Can Virginia Tech attack them through the air is the question mark. I don't think they can.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, What needs to happen, especially heading into this game, is we we got to make the game easier on Hen and Hooker. Um, You you know that we really gave him a raw deal. I think against Wake Forest, one of the biggest issues is separation in our offense, and whether that is due to route concepts, play calling, personnel. It's it's a whole bunch of different things. I don't think it's totally up to talent. I, I think there is talent in the wide receiver room. I think there is. The ability to get separation in the wide receiver room. If we trot out two wide receiver, two tight end sets and expect this to get any easier on Hen and Hooker, it's not. Now, we came in with this being hailed as a spread offense, you know, one that wanted to push tempo on occasion, uh, you know, one that liked to spread the ball around. We're not seeing that right now. You know, I think when you have. Weapons, especially like Raheem Blackshear, who I'd love to see more in the pass game. Um, I get frustrated when I see these personnel decisions that don't make sense. And to me, regardless of what Louisville has at corner, in order to free the ground game up a little bit more for Khalil Herbert, because passing game doesn't just help the quarterback. It helps the running back, too. Everybody knows that. We've got to get that separation. So I want to see an easier game plan for him to execute on. And the way to make it easier is to get wide receivers open. And if you're just trotting out two every play, eh, it's not going to get it done. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll need to get some wide receivers out on the field. We'll need to be more creative in our route concepts. Um, and we'll need to open up the playbook a little bit because that's my biggest complaint at this point in the season. Um, is our playbook feels a little bit like the head coach in Remember the Titans. You know, I, I think he ran three plays, whatever it was you'd have to tell me. Coach Herman Boone, I think he ran three plays. Yeah. You know, It feels sometimes like we have four, maybe five plays. And so let's just open it up, especially from a personnel perspective. I think that's going to be a key to the game for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, and make no mistake, it's a winnable game. We've talked all about the bad matchups. But for the rest of the season, to give us just a little spark of hope, having a good game from a wide receiver or two would go a long way.
0: That and executing in the red zone.
1: Oh, heavens Converting
0: yes. third downs. You know, starting fast. Those are three things I'm looking for.
1: Red zone, Are we allowed to start fast?
0: Red zone offense, converting third downs, and starting fast. Can Virginia Tech do it? Defensively, uh, it's Halloween, and you should be very afraid. Malik Cunningham, he's been up and down this year. But when yeah. he's on, he's on. And he's great in the run game, he's good in the passing game, and his favorite target is Tutu Atwell, who is a dynamite wide
1: receiver. <laughs> he's a stud.
0: So how we're gonna defend uh Tutu in, in the secondary is uh, you know, a very large concern of mine, but uh we'll we'll see if it can happen. You know, Cunningham, he's a guy, he averages 6.82 yards per play. That's eighth in the ACC. He's ninth in the Power Five in rushing yards by a quarterback. And it's really going to come down to the defensive front and what they can do to Cunningham. If they can get pressure on him, he becomes wildly inaccurate. The problem with the defense has been they can't get pressure and they can't tackle. So. Those are two things that you're looking for out of the defense to to really come through here. You've got a, a fairly vulnerable uh, Louisville offensive line, but you were going up against uh, one of the worst offensive lines in the ACC last week and really didn't do a whole lot with it. So this D, it's had its ups and downs over the last two weeks, but uh, this this is their toughest matchup on the year so far, uh, just because yeah, of the level that I think Louisville can play at and how quickly they can put points on the board. And, you know, you throw in a guy like Javion Hawkins, who dynamic back and just the inability of Virginia Tech to stop or to stop the run, I'm really concerned about um, that aspect of their game. Like we may not even see Cunningham throw the ball for the first quarter, depending on how much success they're having. So if they can figure out a way to slow Hawkins down, I don't think they're going to stop him and get pressure fairly consistently on Cunningham, I mean, I feel like Virginia Tech has a really good chance to win. Um, It's not realistic to think Louisville's not going to score a good amount of points in this game. They're going to score. They're going to put up yards. And really what you're looking for from this defense is more consistency, a pass rush, and limiting the big plays and erasing the penalties. So they can't beat themselves in this one, and they have to hope the offense gets off to a faster start. And the other thing is Louisville has been turnover-prone this season, fourth-most turnovers in the ACC. I mean, that's why they lost the Georgia Tech game. So if you get after Cunningham, the likelihood of him turning the ball over uh, is much higher than if you let him sit back and kind of pick his poison and run all over you. So luck, forced, whatever it may be, Hokies need to force and create some turnovers, especially if they're unable to get them off the field consistently.
1: Yeah. And, you know, highlighting what I think is a key here, pressure, definitely, definitely a huge thing with Cunningham. Um, First three games of the season, seven touchdowns to five interceptions. The next three games, five touchdowns to no interceptions. Why? They got sacked a whole hell of a lot less. In his last three games. That offensive line has gotten better at protecting Malik Cunningham. Where I see potential for someone to step up for Virginia Tech. To me it's Justice Reed. I mean you look at a guy. Looks like a grown man. In the first game against NC State. You know he came out with a solid two sack effort. You know and and we're ranting and raving the next week on the podcast. Saying this is the guy. This is the guy we've been waiting for. He's the prototypical defensive end. Since then. Half sack. That was at Wake Forest. He had a half a sack, or a, a, a half a tackle for loss at Duke. So it's half sack, half tackle for loss since that NC State game. Other than that, not a lot on the on the, uh, the box score from from Justice Reed. And I think that's a guy who could really use a good game to step up because the talent's all there when you watch him play. It play it plain day. He's just got to put it all together and and make some impact plays. And and I think he's going to be key for Virginia Tech in this game to stay in the game and to get after Malik Cunningham. Justice Reed will be key.
0: And remember, no Jared Hewitt in the first half either. So that's that's something that the team is gonna have to work through uh for a half uh before getting him back. So uh Tim, why don't you uh, go ahead and give me your prediction for this one?
1: Oh. 34-31, Virginia Tech.
0: So you know, I feel like this is one of those situations where it feels like tech is getting Louisville right when the Cardinals are turning the corner.
1: Yeah. You know, There's they had
0: six sacks over the last two weeks, which is pretty solid. You know, of course, it's one of those teams was FSU. And we know about their own line play. But, you know, their D has improved over what it was in the first few games of the season. And, and not to say that Tech shouldn't score, but this offense has to start fast. It has to keep the pressure on. They haven't been able to do that of late. So the defensive line, you mentioned it, got to get pressure. Who's stepping up? Is it Justice Reed? Is it Emmanuel Belmar? Is it Norrell Pollard? Is it Deshaun Crawford? I don't care who it is. Somebody's got to step up. They have to slow down the run. The defense overall isn't good on the Hokie side. Wake had a much better front seven um, than I think this Hokies offensive line is going to go up against this week. But if they are able to slow it down and and Hooker and the receivers haven't proved that they can get it done down the field... You know, I think best case scenario for Louisville in this game is you may cook or beat you. And, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not sure he can if he's being forced to throw it over the top every time with what we've seen out of the offense so far. So uh, sure. I'm, I'm certainly optimistic about that, but it just hasn't been done yet this season. And I don't know if it's last week that's making me feel uh, a little bit more uneasy about this game, but I just don't like this matchup for Tex D. I didn't like it coming into the season. I don't like it now, even though Louisville is only, you know, two and four. Um, you know, I think this offense will rebound. I think it'll be better this week. You know, I'd certainly think that we're going to see less turnovers, uh, hopefully, or less penalties, hopefully less turnovers, but you know, I don't think this offense is better than UNC's when you're talking about Louisville, but it's got big play ability and it can dominate games on the ground at both the quarterback and running back position. And we know what a mobile quarterback has done against Virginia tech historically. So I think Louisville takes it. You know, I think it's a close game. I think it's high scoring, but I think the Cardinals come out on top. I'm going to say something like 48-41. Uh, I'm just not confident enough in this defense to to slow down their their best playmakers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to fault you there. I think it's a good prediction. I may, My heart won't let me go to a two-game losing streak with all of the hopes we pinned on this team. I'm just you know against my better judgment I'm not willing to jettison it quite yet. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I hope you're right and I'm wrong, but that's just yeah, kind sure. of, uh that's just kind of how I feel. So uh yep. let's let's look at some of the other teams in the week week 9 slot here. Not not a lot of uh big games this week. You've got Boston College at Clemson, uh, Wake Forest at Syracuse, Notre Dame at Georgia Tech, Charlotte at Duke and then, you know, really kind of I think the best game on the the docket that's not Louisville Virginia Tech is going to be UNC at UVA. So um, anything that really stands out here to you that you're looking forward to?
1: Um, Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of eyeballing Clemson here. Uh, you know, it's another chance for them to put up some style points against a Boston College team that's certainly no pushover. Um, after Syracuse last week, you know, they could have had a better game. You know, I think Lawrence is going to come out and light it up. That's something I want to see. How close does Boston College keep it? Um, Syracuse again how much they have left in the tank after spending a lot of it at Clemson uh, trying to fight for that victory there Um, and you know Georgia Tech again going up against a Notre Dame team that looked really really good last week what Notre Dame team shows up is it the uh Ian Book is actually Joe Montana Notre Dame team or is it the Notre Dame team that played Louisville um, you know, I don't know, but those are all the things I'm kind of looking for out of those games. Obviously my game of the week, UNC UVA, it's a rivalry, um, a fairly big one at that, uh, a UVA team that just played a heck of a game against Miami showed a lot of heart has a chance here in an area and in a game where not a lot of people are giving them a shot. Uh, and I think it's a game that's going to be maybe a little bit tighter than people expect. So as far as watchability goes, I've got the UNC at UVA kind of circled on my calendar there.
0: Yeah, that that point spread's only six and a half. So, um, yeah, you know that that was a tough one for me. But I I'd certainly want to see I want to see Sam Hartman and those receivers like step up and and do something this week. I mean, they, yeah. they've been the biggest disappointment in the ACC so far this season. If you ask me, it's really that uh, UNC rushing attack that's been so prominent. But uh, yeah. Sam Sam Hartman and these receivers have been a pretty big letdown um, so yeah. far. Duke. I mean, what you got for me? Like take care of business. <laughs> yeah, I wanna right? I wanna see that happen. Wake Forest. I want them to come out and smoke Syracuse. That would make me yeah. feel a little bit better. Um and yeah. then Georgia Tech, you know, they're they're kind of a tough team to predict how they're gonna play week to week. You know, their their big issue is turnovers and um, you know, Jeff Sims looks really good at times and other times, you know, he he looks like a true freshman, so uh, can they keep it close? Can they keep it interesting um, while hosting Notre Dame? Um, you know, we'll see. But let's jump into our doing line segment, Tim. You know, uh, not a great <laughs> week for us. You know, I was Brutal. 0-4 last week. You were 1-3. and We both lost Pitt and uh, Virginia Tech. You won Boston College, lost Ole Miss. I lost uh, everything, Pitt, Clemson, Virginia Tech, and Illinois. So I'm now a... Uh, an abysmal, ten and seventeen overall. You are 10, sixteen and one. So uh, you've got Ooh, the, uh, the half game lead yes. over me. Retained first Bam. place. But what's your uh what's your first pick of the week?
1: Well, I just wanted to say, Dust this whole segment feels <laughs> like when you go into work and everything just hits the fan like two hours in. Yeah. And you're just like, Man, I just gotta keep my head down and keep working, and eventually we'll hit five PM and I can get out of here. That's where I am with this segment right now, man. I mean, we just got to keep our heads down and keep chopping wood. Maybe we'll look up at some point and we'll be over 500 before this thing's all over. It's just so,
0: tough when you have to reel off like eight straight wins to even get above 500.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I want to see what these guys on game day, what their picking records would be. Bear, calling you out, Bear. Pick nothing but ACC matchups Yeah, every true. week. And let's see where you end up at the end of the season. So I don't want to hear it. Cause we're we're doing lines, and I'm starting off swinging for the fences. I think Clemson's coming out ready to stunt and style on BC, so I'm taking Clemson thirty and a half over BC. Um, I, I think they're going to do it. I, I think they need to start putting up some serious points, and uh, you know, not that they haven't been, but they're going to have to start you know widening those margins of victory. And, and I think we're going to see that uh, really take off against Boston College.
0: Yeah, I actually had BC plus thirty one, and then I kind of just thought better of it um and eliminated it you know just being on the road at clemson you know dabo had to get defensive in a uh, in a press conference this week because he's like did we just even win here like what is this so right. yeah he's probably angry uh i'm going to take wake minus 11 to get us started um it's a road game it's it's you good know, call at the carrier dome but um you know liberty went up there and beat syracuse by 21 points i like i like yeah. wake Keep the
1: momentum yeah. going and four and two. That that uh that line is shrinking. It's at ten and a half now for Wake, and go. I, I like you took Wake point. on that. Yeah. 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 So let's go Wake minus ten and a half. Um, I'm jumping on that too. I just I think what we saw last week from Cuse was a bit of a mirage in a way. That team was still wholly dysfunctional on offense, um, and at quarterback, you know, Cole is doing the best he can, but it's it's brutal, brutal stuff. Uh. Coming out of New York, there. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, you know what, sticking my guns in Wake Forest, ten and a half versus Syracuse.
0: I'm going to take UNC minus six and a half over uh, UVA. Um, Damn you! I think this game will be close, but I I think UNC is a touchdown or better um, than than UVA this season. So I uh, I'd like the Tar Heels Tar Heels here.
1: Yeah, and and lucky you, another half point your way as this line is getting a little bigger. Took UNC minus seven versus UVA as well. Um, you know, this isn't necessarily a knock on UVA. I just feel like U- UNC is bound to hit its stride, especially where catching passes is concerned. Once they do that, they're really going to take off. You know, Sam Howell, uh, Diami Brown, Daz Newsome getting on the same page as far as catches go, and, and we see UNC win by at least a touchdown against UVA. So give me UNC minus 7 versus UVA.
0: I'm going to take Notre Dame minus 20. Um, I think they're a team that needs to start putting up some style points. Yeah. And uh, I think Georgia Tech has been trending in the wrong direction the last couple of weeks, and Notre Dame needs to go in make a statement. They made a statement against Pitt. I think uh, Georgia Tech is is next on the list, and you know let's let's see them put that rushing game and that passing game both to work, and not just have one or the other. So if they can bring it all together, they could be a dangerous team. I still don't think they're number four in the country, but um, I'm going to take Notre Dame minus twenty against Georgia Tech. And then what's your uh, what's your random pick of
1: the week well you know Big Ten coming back got the warm and fuzzies uh, Wisconsin new Wisconsin quarterback absolutely comes out and lights it up last week then gets COVID now the entire program's on lockdown with Wisconsin being so heavy in the news I'm going to go with a Big Ten matchup I like Iowa minus two and a half versus Northwestern Iowa coming off of a loss last week against Purdue um, not a lot of points scored but surprise it's Iowa it's kind of what they do um and I expect them to at least win by a field go over Northwestern. Uh so give me the Hawkeyes minus two and a half. I feel really good about that pick. I'm ditching the SEC because they've treated me like crap to this point in the season.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's not bad. I'm gonna, I'm also gonna go to the Big Ten. I'm gonna take Minnesota. I need them to row their boat in the right direction after getting uh just whooped, you know, Whew. beaten up by uh Michigan. So uh good news for Minnesota, they're playing Maryland. In Maryland is that very hopes, very bad. Uh, yes. Crab cakes and football is not what Maryland is doing right now. So... No. Uh, Minnesota, minus 19 and a half. I'll take that one to the bank.
1: Crab cakes and interstate construction. That's what Maryland does.
0: Yeah. Not baseball and not football.
1: Ooh, yeah, sorry to... I didn't mean yeah. to open that wound. Yeah,
0: well, it's, it's open. It's open now. <laughs> so, Tim, that's our... That's our show for today. Any any final words before we uh, close this one out and hope to see happier days in Hokie Country?
1: I just don't like the sad pods, man. That they're not happy, and I would like to have a happy podcasts. So that's my plea. Yeah. To Virginia Tech football team, just let me record a happy podcast. Yeah, I got to get um, Wake
0: Forest out of my head, man. Yeah, I just it's keep this one. This one hurts.
1: This one, this one hurt for some reason is lingering. Unlike many of these similar losses have for me, this whole week has kind of been tainted. And I know it's because I expected so much more this year. I did it to myself. So, um, you know, I brought that evil upon myself. But you know, we live to fight again another day. And you know, as you mentioned, I think a very important thing to take out of this is as we feel jaded, as we feel defeated. Um, this is way better than not having college football at all, which was a real possibility four or five months ago. So, silver linings, man. You gotta grab them.
0: Very true. Rainbows and unicorns. Open up that box. So, that's that's our show for today. We are Chowder and Grits, the podcast for Virginia Tech and ACC sports. You know, we've been seeing a few come in. Tim, why don't you why don't you tell everybody what they can do for us?
1: Leave some reviews. We prefer the five-star kind, especially on the iTunes platform where it seems like we have the largest collection of listeners, at least from the numbers we see. So, you know, improving our visibility is always at the forefront of our mind and and having those great reviews helps, um, you know, and just interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, wherever we're chatting with you, chat back. Uh, We like to hear from you guys and, you know, we've noticed a couple of you guys listening and reaching out to us. We really appreciate that. Makes us feel special. Uh, especially when times aren't the greatest around these parts. So share our content, let people know who you're listening to. We certainly appreciate all those things, and, you know, we love bringing you guys content.
0: That we do. And, uh, yeah, anywhere you're listening, chowderandgrits.com. Go over to Twitter. You'll find us. And, again, if if you're just not liking something, just slide into our DMs. We'll respond. Just be gentle.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Not on the review. You just won't know whether it's me or Justin responding to you, which is...
0: Yeah. that's our right. show uh, you know happy Halloween be safe out there whether you're trick or treating or you know having a COVID holiday inside watching football uh, and uh, you know good luck with the Hokies out there see you guys later
1: the Hokies